the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And oh boy, hootie how, <laughs> we have something to tell you. We really showed up this time. We we traveled far for this investigation. To a, a far galaxy distant far, land far away called Arkansas. To investigate UFOs. For the summer of UFO, Ono, Ross, and Carrie extravaganza. Yeah. It was the Ozark Mountain UFO Conference, which is now in its 30th year. But I've, oh, I might as well, since I've already given it away, let you know this won't be the last that we're going to. That's we're going right. to spend our summer investigating UFOery. I can't think of a better way to spend a summer. Me neither. Will it be a summer or in a way is it an eternity because time is not a constant because time is the fifth something because we are all one. My brain turned off a little (laughs) while ago. Now you you discovered this. I did. And now I come across it. uh, That's a good question. All I remember is just you texting me and saying, hey, there's a UFO conference in Arkansas. Would you want to fly out and do that? Yeah. I don't remember exactly how I stumbled upon it. I just remember that when I did and found out it was the 30th year, I thought if we're ever going to do this, this is the time to do it. And getting to Arkansas is actually not as tough as it seems. And just looking at the list of speakers excited me. These were people we'd heard about for a long time in the UFO community. Yeah. High caliber we're talking about here. Yeah. And how much did it cost? I think it was $410 for for the two of us for a couple. Gotcha. Which I think saved us like $5 or something. It saved us a very small amount. So 200 bucks per person. Yeah, about. And then we bought our plane tickets. Yep. Yeah, we flew out on a Thursday. Took pretty much all day just to get there. And then we drove down. We landed in Missouri and uh, along the way we kept seeing just churches everywhere yeah and then as we were continuing down the road we spotted a passion play going on Uh like on a trailer bed along the side of the road a man dressed as jesus carrying his own cross he's wearing like a bodysuit with painted on scars and gashes of blood he's sort of a middle-aged man with kind of a pot belly going on Mm -hmm. carrying his cross which was definitely not robust enough to hold his weight right And is also not at all beat up. It's just like two planks of shivering white wood. And uh, yeah, and then a centurion in sneakers keeping watchful eye on him. (laughs) And then two mourners, two women who are watching. We both say, what's that? Pull over. Pull over, pull over. Uh, We're both shouting at each other as if one of us doesn't want to pull over, pull over. (laughs) And we do. And uh, went up and took some video and pics of that. Yeah, we walked across the grass and there were other members of their church standing by watching us approach. And they were excited that we were excited. And uh, so, yeah, we had some fun talking with them. This wasn't the only one. They had other stages of Christ's demise planned for each day. Right. So so they were quite a ways into this. And they're like, oh, well, tomorrow he's going to die. And then he's going to go down into the depths of hell to wrestle the keys to the kingdom from Satan himself, and then we'll have the resurrection on Easter Sunday. So we hopped back in the car. (laughs) We continued on (laughs) towards the state line, and uh, we had gotten an Airbnb just slightly inside of Arkansas, which is where Eureka Springs is, and that's where the conference was going to be. 
And we were very excited about this Airbnb because we were promised floating beds. Yeah. No, I think this was a big selling point for you. You wanted the floating bed. Well, at first, (laughs) I signed us up for this one Airbnb and then was contacted by the owner. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want one of my. You signed up for the unit with the hot tub. Now, that's a good unit. It's a good A minus unit. But you want the A plus unit and you want the floating beds unit. The floating beds were interesting. At first, it was a little nauseating because you get on this thing and it just keeps moving. And I thought it was like a hammock. I liked it. And it's not like a simple oscillating back and forth. It kind of, you know, moves laterally. Uh-huh. But I got used to it. Thing. It was a nice place, though. Yeah, it was a nice place. But we had no toothpaste because we'd just come off of an airplane. Mm-hmm. And, and neither was packed travel size toothpaste. And there are Lots of churches, but very few supermarkets. There is no place to buy toothpaste in Eureka Springs. And no branch of my bank in the entire state. Yep. We did eventually find toothpaste. But when we arrived at the conference the next day, the very first thing we did was to go ask the front desk at the Best Western there. Mm-hmm. The conference was attached to a Best Western of the Ozarks. They had been all sold out, so that wasn't even an option for us. But we stopped at the front desk and we asked for toothpaste. And the lady is very and helpful. she's wearing a shirt for the conference yeah it's as is a, like everyone who works at this hotel right and the restaurant adjoining it you have all these ladies in their 60s 70s and they're wearing these bright green aliens on black shirts and so she leans over to us and she says oh, i have to work here all day but i really wanted to go to the conference and i was just i was hoping maybe you could find out for me i really wanted to know about the the connection of the sumerian gods who are actually aliens them returning soon because i heard that they're going to return as aliens do you know anything about that we're like no we don't there's this imperceptibly small pause where you and i are both like uh... <laughs> that's the first oh, i've heard no, of it which um, is true that was the first i had heard yeah, of that nope that's... So we're gonna look into it for you yeah we'll uh we'll see what we can find out and we'll report back we'll go so you don't have to so now we were a man and a woman with a mission yep and also I liked how her coworker another woman there was just like okay have a good day like she was not <laughs> into this <laughs> she's just like boy my my friend's weird I'm sorry <laughs> I bet it looks like you guys are weird too so yeah yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah we're obviously going to the conference yep Then we got a little breakfast and we went down. So we made our way down to the conference and there was a line of people as we walked into this convention center. Uh, It had kind of this overhang shooting out into this carport area. And as you walked in those double doors, you found yourself in a large room and it had hanging posters for various books that were on sale. Cardboard cutouts of, I was going to say life-size aliens as if I know what size aliens are. They were larger than aliens in real life. They were were a little (laughs) larger than your average human being. Yeah there was like the alien giving you like a peace peace sign sign. but it had additional fingers that were kind of shooting out the bottom of its hand that was weird additional to us right that's true i didn't mean to be uh yeah ross that was insensitive i apologize (laughs) and then yeah there was one that was like i'm the buff alien and i am like trying to pop a squat or something alien they're from buffets and there were then some real life stand-up aliens that you could go sit next to and take pictures with uh so yeah this was already festooned with aliens and then you had a giant they'd printed out a lot of really large posters i think maybe from previous years conferences that had pictures of maybe uh like ufos up above people's heads or like an ancient civilization Oh, also, this conference is sort of smashed up with metaphysical themes now. So it used to be pretty strictly UFO, but they actually Mm. say on their website, now we invite more like metaphysical topics and Ozark Mountain Publishing. Interesting. Yeah, now they publish 
metaphysical books in addition to their ufology. Ufology being the scientific word for UFO studies. So we went to the table and yeah, sure enough, they were already offering some free books. And we were excited about that. So we grabbed, well, I grabbed, let's see here, Beyond the Source, book one and book two by Guy Stephen Needler, which he kindly donated, and Avoiding Karma by the same author. <laughs> I love, I just picture a person like running from karma. It's not going to catch me. So those are all from Ozark Mountain Publishing. So I guess part of their effort to expand. And I got a book that had to be six or 700 pages called Cosmology with a K, which I then leafed through and then decided to leave in our Airbnb. Oh, you did? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, lucky next person who yeah. shows up. <laughs> We also, at this point, we decided to bet on how much we would spend at this conference. Oh, yes. And you bet you would spend $40, and I bet I would spend $75. Oh, okay. Then I immediately spent $30 within the first, like, 10 minutes. <clears throat> There's no stopping Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other side of the room, there was, like, this radio group. I guess they were co-sponsoring this or somehow involved. There was, like, a paranormal radio outlet. Yeah, I wish I had gotten to talk to them, but they were doing their own thing the whole time. And then there was a booth with shirts, uh, shirts from the conferences. And DVDs and CDs. Right, yeah, a lot of their materials. There were footprints on the ground. Yes. So there was a little system. If you wanted to get to the conference room, you would follow the little alien footprints. Very cute. Or if you wanted to get to the vendor area, it was what, the UFOs? Little, yeah, little flying saucers. So first we walk up and we give our names and they give us little name tags and then we follow those footprints into the main hall and I got a little video of us walking in. Ooh. Guess where our seats were, Ross? Yeah, this was nice. They had pre-assigned seats and that was a really nice touch. Then yeah. You just have kind of a seat that belongs to you. And I had selected ours when I signed us I'm, up. I'm going to guess that our seats were in the front row. Well, that's a good guess because you were there. <laughs> you asked me to guess. <laughs> oh, okay. Should I guess wrong? You're right. No, you're right. <laughs> Uh, we were in A10 and A9. Yeah. Pretty good. Good seats. Yeah. We were right up front and we sat next to a sweet elderly couple that had been there for 15 years. Yeah. Nuts. And they were really nice and uh, really sweet. Uh, so we made conversation Fell for a couple a bit. times. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. You were on their side. So yeah. I wasn't keeping as steady an eye on them. Bob was the guy and he thought I looked like David Duchovny. So that was. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was really cute. Mention number one. On the first day, he said that you looks like David Duchovny. And then as we were leaving, he said, bye, Mulder, bye, Scully. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Okay, so we guessed there were about 500 people there the first day. Yeah. Then, very first thing that happens, this woman comes up to the front and she gets a <laughs> mic and she stands there and she opens her mouth to speak <laughs> and everyone kind of brings down the volume a little bit and. She doesn't say anything. and so We go right back so to talking. We go, well, yeah, we go back to talking. We're like, okay, she's not saying anything. That's fine. And, you know, we're all kind of checking back to see if she's talking yet. And she's not. She's just sort of sublimely beaming at us, mm -hmm. uh, looking around. Oh, here we all are. She's she, smiling. She reminds smiling. me of uh, one of my school principals from grade school. Oh, yeah? Would she looks she like this? she could be a grade school principal. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this goes on for five minutes. Kind of shoulder length hair, maybe in her early 60s. I'm really bad at that. I always think people are younger than they are. She looks out at us and she's just so happy and peaceful, but it becomes just sort of awkward. <laughs> and then finally, it turned out that her microphone wasn't working, but instead of just waiting or giving any sort of signal of this, she just decided to stand there and just 
look at us. But anyway, finally her microphone works and uh, she says hi and that this is the 30th annual conference and she is Julia. Julia Cannon. So yeah, her mom was Dolores Cannon who is a big member of this particular community, really helped run this conference for many years and was also a published author who had written many books on ufology. Except she doesn't actually tell us any of this. Later, she introduces herself because she realizes she has to talk. <laughs> right. <us. laughs> yeah. She apologizes after she comes up like the third time. Like, you know what? I never introduced myself. <laughs> so we had no idea who this woman was at the time. Just someone who likes to stand up on stage and placidly smile at all of us. Oh my gosh. So bizarre. It was just this aw shucks conversation where she just kind of teeter off every now and then, go silent, and not a trained public speaker. No. So she showed us a video of the founder of Ozark Mountain publishing and the founder of this conference, Lucius Farish, which is hard to say. They kept referring to him as Lou, Lou Farish. Right. He lived from 1937 to 2012, so his departure was not too long ago. No, but they show a video of him, and it's a very sweet video. It's also like it's a really long video of Mm -hmm. kind of clips of him, and you keep thinking like, oh, you could cut this part. Uh Uh-huh. You could cut this. All right, we're still Mm -hmm. watching. Oh, okay. And this would be a running theme for the conference, them playing videos that you wonder, why are you showing this to me right now? (laughs) Sure. But it's it's real sweet. Yeah, we got a feel for the man. Clearly very beloved. And then, oh, <laughs> then we get an intro to Forrest, oh, yeah. our MC. And oh, what a guy, Ross. Man, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Forrest is, you know, you might think when you first meet him, you know, he's just another guy, he's into UFOs. Mm-hmm. But the more you meet him, you realize mm. he knows so much. He knows so much. And he has so many stories and he knows so much. And she had brought him on her podcast once. And her jaw, Recently. right? And her jaw was on, on the, the floor, floor, you guys. Yeah, because oh, man. once he started telling stories, I mean, he just uh, it blew her away. Blew her away. The things he knows. Okay, so she's telling us this. And she never no explains specifics. what it is that Nothing. he knows. We have no idea who this we, guy is. <laughs> she never tells us any details except the editorializing about how impressed <laughs> she is by those details. But it takes her five minutes to give us no information. No information at all. She was vague, literally zero. She was we vague don't booking hear, up there. We don't hear like <laughs> a book he's written or where he studied or nope. or even like this is what he did for 10 years in the ufology group. This he is did a it with good conversation nothing. to have with him. Nope. Yeah, what he knows a lot about. Nothing. <laughs> Zero. So he comes just up. just she's very impressed. <laughs> he comes up. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's great. What a what a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said it was one of those like, oh, I don't know if I could live up to that sort of response. It's like, yeah, and, you absolutely can. <laughs> and he doesn't we help no us. Info. He doesn't help us at all. He doesn't give us any kind of information about what he knows either. He just launches into his MC work, which is fine. So let's describe Forrest. He's stylish. I would have said, and it turns out that I'm very bad at ages. I wrote down at first that he was in his late 40s and then it turned out he's 58. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, I could totally see that. He was wearing a suit jacket over the alien shirt, the UFO conference shirt. Mm-hmm. He has this funny little tick where when he's talking, he kind of pulls up his shoulder to his ear. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's got like a really kind of like cool guy, stylish vibe, I think. Um, he's bald. He has that paranormalist look where yep. you have the bald head and the goatee. Yep, for sure. Um, so he mentions, we have several giants in ufology on the speaking list this year. Those are the nine foot tall ones. Right. <laughs> he's going to introduce James Clarkson. He's written books. Like we actually get an introduction to him. He was right. a police officer for 30 years and he's the lead investigator head of MUFON, the mutual UFO network for those who haven't been following along with the UFO community. And in- MUFON's kind of like a grassroots organization that searches and documents sightings of UFOs. Right, yeah. In the state of Washington, so that's his particular domain. But if you have a sighting, MUFON is the one to go to, mufon.com, and report your sightings there. But he told us uh, right up front, he gave us his bona fides again, saying he'd been a police officer. And I've even arrested murderers. Yeah, he will, throughout his talk, make a big deal out of having arrest powers. Mm -hmm. Not only his own, but other people's will say, well, this person saw a UFO and he has arrest powers. (laughs) As if this makes you like more capable of spotting shapes in the air or something. He said that he hasn't had any personal experiences himself. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, he actually used that phrase. Yeah, Yeah, so at least he's not the type to just kind of make stuff up. Right, or imagine things. And he has arrest powers, so I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Yeah, oh boy, I didn't know about those arrest powers. So he's got sort of grayish, dark brown hair. He's, I would have thought, in his 50s, but again, (laughs) that probably means it's like 100. We should probably stop guessing at ages. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think he's a lot older? It just can't do us any good. I don't know. I guess it gives people like a a rough idea of what to think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're like, now they're like, well, at least he's not in his teens. If Gary thinks he's in his 50s, he must not be 12. Right. And he was a police Um, officer for 30 years. So. Oh, right. He's Caucasian. Actually, as every speaker was. Every speaker was Caucasian. Yep. So imagine them all Caucasian. Has a bolo tie. Little heavy set. Mm -hmm. A tall fellow. Oh, he had a purple button-down shirt. Ooh. And a black suit. He said something sort of touching up at the top. He said that last year he wasn't able to come to the conference because he had some health issues. It kind of made him examine his own mortality and... He realized he wanted to make sure he contributed something really meaningful this year. Hmm. So he said, you know, this year I really like took a step back and thought, like, what do I really want to contribute? It seems like this talk was more to give a broad overview of UFO evidence that people could take into the community and might be like more persuasive to outsiders, I think was going to be the rest of his talk. Yeah, well, I liked his talk because it was one of the few, I'd say, that really just kind of focused on a bunch of evidence, like cases where people had seen things that felt like pretty strong cases. Yeah, and it felt like a really good overview to have at the top for people like you and me who are coming in. Yeah, it was a good way to kick off the conference. Yeah. So uh, he started with, I think, one from 1987. And he was talking about how he's been a police officer for 30 years. He's been a MUFON investigator for 30 years. And he's been attending the conference for 30 years. So this is quite the synchronicity. And it wasn't the first time we'd hear that word. Right. And he said, we all think of reality as objective and stable, but some of these phenomena aren't. And this talk and this idea is going to kind of change how humanity views itself. Mm -hmm. Really like take these cases seriously. And his talk was called UFO Reality in the Pacific Northwest. 
Forest. He showed us a slide with 80 UFO models. Thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And he said that there have been about 120,000 documented sightings. So while he was working at the Washington State Police Department, he learned that the police would actually report UFOs. For good or bad, this is what they were doing. Like if they Mm -hmm. saw something in the sky, they had a number to call. And it was the National UFO Reporting Center. And he thought that was really interesting. And so he called that number himself Mm -hmm. one night. And the guy who answered the phone was actually the guy who started that network. And he's now 30 years into a friendship with that man who answered the phone. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And now he, James, runs the MUFON in Washington. And these two guys have team taught Washington's UFO network uh, all this time together. How cool. He's investigated 700 UFOs. UFO sightings himself. Yeah. Just wow. Amazing. That's a lot. I'm sure investigated could mean a lot of things in this sure. case. But yeah, still amazing. A lot of things to pass your desk. For sure. So he tells us five to ten percent of the US population has seen a UFO. Hmm. And out of ten reports, three have insufficient information to do anything more with it. Three will be identified. So like the number one culprit is the space station. Then you'll hmm. be like, okay, we know what that was. The right, end. right. Two are info-only cases. So it's like, I saw something. It looks like Bambi. All right. Well, can't do anything with that. Right. Or they're hoaxes. And then two are true UFOs. Oh, right. right. And when he says true UFOs, you know, it can be tempting to think like, well, what does that mean if it's just truly unidentified? But he means truly something from outer space manned by extraterrestrials. Right. Yeah. He qualified that as high witness credibility with high strangeness. Right. So he reminded us of the William James quote that in order to disprove the assertion that all crows are black, one white crow is sufficient. So that was his idea that essentially all we need to do is just show that there's at least one legitimate UFO and that's enough to establish the phenomenon. Yeah, so he showed us like a bunch of different reports and obviously we're not going to read them all for you here. But yeah, a bunch of them are really fascinating Interesting stories. Yeah. Yeah, we would love to have been there and have seen them. Yeah, and I mean, some of these go back to like the 80s. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at one that said, 1987, an airline pilot sees a UFO on his radar. He drew it later, but officials said it was a mistake. You know, I mean, it's like, there's nothing for me to do with this at this point. Yeah, there was always uh, some kind of radar collaboration. So there would be a report. And then he, he spent some time talking about how planes transmit information constantly with the towers to let them know where they are. And he said that sometimes you have planes that are not transmitting, and that's for a certain reason. Maybe they're top secret kind of thing. But he was looking at these UFOs, and it was a big deal when he would say, oh, well, they saw an object here, and then sure enough, there was something on the radar that was not transmitting its code. Like there there was no way to know exactly who owned it or what kind of craft it was. Right. So that was the corroboration. And some of those UFOs had arrest powers. (laughs) He talked a lot about kind of these four aspects of sightings, the visitors themselves, then the media, then the public, and then the government, and exploring the aspects of how the tales reach us from kind of that original event to how we hear about it. You know, I felt this was really interesting. I'm really glad he teased apart these four parts, but I hope I don't appear to be splitting hairs here, but I I felt like this was really missing out on the element of the experiencer. Mm. Because I feel like the experiencer is... Yeah, that's fair. ...perhaps the most important piece. Right, and we jump straight from the visitors to the media. Yeah. 
No, that's that's a good point. A lot, a lot can be happening in the mind of the experiencer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we'll get into this later. Not so much in the kind of stuff that James documents, but especially in abduction cases, we're really talking about the experiencer far more than the kinds of cases that James deals with. Mm-hmm. And he had three signature cases that he shared with us all within the past five years. One in Pasco, one in Castle Rock, and a third in Vancouver. So yeah, shared photos, shared radar, all very interesting. It was pretty cool. So all of this was really fascinating. Then he kind of gets to what I think are sort of the, what you might call like the inspiring talking points of his talk, kind Mm -hmm. of what he's building toward thematically. Right. Uh, He makes a few points. So one is that he thinks life is the fifth force in the universe. Yeah, that was interesting. And that felt like a little bit of a stretch for me. I wasn't really sure where he was coming from with that. He was trying to say like you have these uh, fundamental forces, gravity and the strong and weak nuclear force and electromagnetism Mm -hmm. and then life is the fifth force Mm -hmm. okay yeah it just it just feels like an assertion if you have Um, a rest powers i'm in yeah (laughs) he also shared the famous sherlock holmes quote via arthur conan doyle how often have i said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible whatever remains however improbable must be the truth i i feel like you know that's Fair, except it's really putting a lot of weight just on the power of our imagination and yeah. what kind of oh for sure answers we're able to come up with. Because you know, what do you say then is the default truth after you've ruled out some of these impossible items? Is it pixies? Is it unicorns? Right. Maybe there's an excluded option C or D or F or H. Right, absolutely. There was one point that I can totally get on board with that he made, which is that we define intelligence in such a limited way as humans. He pointed out that we have such intelligent creatures on this earth, and he was talking about an octopus octopus he met. Yeah, Yeah, uh, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. Just how it impressed him with its ability to be kind of looking and focusing in one direction, but then, you know, could reach out one tentacle with its own brain, essentially, and kind of grab onto something. Oh, oh, it's paying attention over there, too. Right. Yeah, and he was just saying we we think of we think of intelligence like just based on what is basically human like intelligence. And, and when I was like, yeah, brother. And when he was talking about government, he kind of established the tone for the conference and saying that the government is just very firmly anti UFO, deny, deny, deny. And he had one slide up that said, "Don't believe anything until it has been officially denied." Oh, right, <laughs> cute. That's pretty clever. So this guy also had a solid PowerPoint. I think I suck at PowerPoint, so mm-hmm. I was like, hey, good PowerPoint. A lot of material in there, including video. Oh, but he did say that in a 2012 sighting, the viewer said that the light had a peculiar wavelength. And a lot of people say a similar thing, that all the lights at UFOs have peculiar wavelengths. (laughs) What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything, Ross. If you can see them, they are within a range of wavelengths that we experience. Uh, He also then went off on this kind of weird thing where he was talking about this artist named Robert Lemos, who had had a visitation and then painted all these pictures of aliens Mm -hmm. who look like royals and the woman alien, she wore a headband Oh, right. With jewels on it. He was showing and us all these all pictures. And that's all now, right? Yeah. I wasn't sure what the main point of that was. Yeah, he saw... So an UFO came near him, and then he saw these two aliens in the window of the craft as it came near him, and then for some reason inferred that they were royalty standing in the window and started painting them. 
and the lady had a headband, and he just thought that was crown-like, and then decided they were royalty. And I remember and kind of looking around at that moment as they were describing the royalty and thing like, oh, who else is like you know, thinking this like, sounds a okay, little come silly? Come on, this is silly now. Nope. nope. Yeah, Everybody was totally into it like, sense. cool, those now are real I'm aliens. With you. That's what aliens look like. They wear headbands, except when they don't. <laughs> Oh, boy. I was interested to learn in his talk that the original Kenneth Arnold sighting, if any of you haven't heard about this, in 1947, Kenneth Arnold was a pilot, and he said he saw a bunch of crescent-shaped craft, like nine of them, and they were skipping like saucers. Right. And that's where the term flying saucer came from. Oh, yeah, I had read that before. You hadn't heard that? No, I knew that. Okay. What was new was that it was in the state of Washington, So Uh from his home state. And it was one and a half weeks before the Roswell incident. I didn't realize they were so close to each other. Oh, yeah. I guess I didn't either. So everyone kind of was referring to 1947 as being that really important year where the UFO phenomenon really kicked off. Uh Uh-huh. Which is another milestone. We are grateful. That was 70 years ago. So 30 years for the conference, (laughs) 70 years for UFOs. That's what we call a synchronicity. Oh, no, Carrie has. That is appropriate. Yeah. All right. He tells this one story of June Crane, who was this assistant who worked under a bigwig at the Air Force. And oh, this right. poor woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> apparently her bosses, they brought back to the yeah. office one day this like hunk of metal mm-hmm. and told her it was a piece of a spaceship. Go ahead, try to bend it. And they were like, yeah, try to bend it. And she like tried to bend it. And she did like bend it a little bit. And then it immediately went back to its original shape. Mm-hmm. And she's still telling this story decades later and told it to this guy, to James. And I like, I mean, her, her process just like played some little prank on her that she bought and is still like telling years later and thinks she's whistleblowing. And it's just this sort of like heartbreaking little sad story about this old woman. And he's painting her as this big hero. And he was saying how he loves retirees because they've got nothing to be afraid about. What are they going to do? Fire me? Yeah. So uh, that's where, yeah, he was getting a lot of info from this little lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, think of a metal that can do that. Think of a metal that can do that. I was like, there's so many like micro materials that can do that. Yeah, and in return to their shape. I don't know what it was, but they, they had an illustration up on the screen of like this translucent metal that you could see through and it was bending and it looked all futuristic. And I thought it didn't look like that. Uh-huh, right. But he said the bottom line is maybe aliens are reaching out to individuals to change us all and prepare us all for contact. Right. Yeah, that seemed to be uh, kind of the rationale that everybody was using here, that aliens don't land on the proverbial White House lawn, not because they couldn't, because who's going to stop them, but because they want to convert us one at a time to communicate their message. Correct. And use us to share this message with others. Yep. Which is interesting. Reminds me a little bit of religion. Hey, bearded dude. The Great Commission. Come up the mountain here. No, only you. Tell the (laughs) others to stay back. Right. Bearded man, come in. Yep. Right. Okay, here we go. Did you drop the plates? Did you drop the plates? (laughs) We're going to have to do this all over again. again. But I'm going to make them real different. Uh, Yeah, reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah. So then we had a little break. There's like 30 minute breaks between these talks. That was an hour and a half, the talk. Oh, that one was? Mm -hmm. Oh, the talk was. Yeah, Yeah. that was the standard length for talks. But some of them were two hours long. Mm -hmm. Should The Rock run for president? How about Oprah? Why was pitch canceled? Does Ryan Murphy ever sleep? Settle a bet for me. 
Who's hotter, The Thing or Squirrel Girl? How can I take part in the Summer Book Club? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable show with me, Guy Branham. Winter Mitchell. Margaret Wappler. And Karen Thompson. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcasts. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> so we came back after our break and we had Kathleen Marden. Now, guess who she done be related to? She's probably the niece of somebody significant. She is. She is the niece of Betty Hill. Betty Hill of Barney and Betty Hill fame. Yep. So they were the first abductees back in the 1960s, and they were also a mixed-race couple, which at the time was hmm, controversial around the U.S. Betty was Caucasian, and Barney was African-American. And very accomplished people. It was really interesting to hear kind of their resume and their involvements in various things. Oh, these are really active, interesting people. Yeah. It's a famous UFO abduction case, the first one uh, with this couple, and they were driving out in the countryside and saw a craft. They thought it was an airplane, but then it got closer and it was large enough to fill up their entire windshield and they realized, oh wait, this is not a passenger plane. And so they had to pull over at some point and they could see like aliens inside of it and they counted, was it 8 to 11? That sounds right. They were wearing like black suits with black caps. Black and red, yeah. And so Barney gets out with his pistol and that doesn't do any good. So they get back in and then they get pelted with these little beeps and boops. And their their car is like kind of like bouncing up and down. It's like peppering their trunk. Right. And leaving marks. Yeah, and then they get pelted again with these sounds, and then uh, apparently they lost time or something because... Yeah, dissociated or something. Yeah. Yeah, later on they had the story about being abducted. Now, some of the interesting things about this case are that, one, Betty had talked to her sister a couple years previous, and her sister had given her a sighting report of having seen a UFO, and... Many people have stated that the drawings that they had someone else do later of the aliens looked very much like aliens from an Outer Limits episode. Now, some people would say, oh, well, the Outer Limits episode came out after the event, but it came out before their testimony of the event. Uh-huh. So make of that what you will. I will make of it that this sounds pretty made up. And so this niece of Betty's was uh, introduced to us as a scientifically trained investigator. Okay. She didn't have arrest powers, but... Oh, get her off. Next best thing. The stage, I mean. (laughs) And her talk is called Evidence of the UFO Cover-Up by Government Agencies. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Indeed. And she had co-written a lot of books with Stanton Friedman. Ooh! Who we will talk about later. He's the closest thing to a scientist this community has. Yeah, and she didn't talk just about that case. She did talk about that a lot, but she was talking about a lot of time that she had spent with Stanton Friedman looking through this archive of various letters. Yeah, this was pretty immediate. It, it almost felt like, whew, good, I have the stage. Now I can tell you about how all the players in my personal drama have been wronged. I guess all of these letters had been donated by Philip Class. Uh-huh. And if you mention Philip 
class's Boy. name. Uh, Boo, like hiss. actual hissing a couple times. These people openly hated Philip Class. He was a skeptical investigator who spoke out against a lot of these cases. Right. And oh yeah, they hated this they guy. Hate him. It's he hard was for me to only an electrical hissing. engineer. It just doesn't come. It's not like something in my wheelhouse. If like if I hate something, I'm not like. It's, it's not like, something I think of to do. What's um, that going to do? Boo, I would do. Burpus. It, it's like it was mind. Purim and someone mentioned Haman and everybody's like, hiss, boo. <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> you should have had that every time they mentioned <laughs> Philip Class. <laughs> Philip Glass. Class. His name sounds so much like Philip Glass. It really does. And it's Class with a K. Yes. He had donated a lot of papers to the American Philosophical Society archives. And so she and Stanton Friedman were spending a lot of time there pouring through those. So they were sharing information they had found about various cases. So they talked about Kenneth Arnold, he who came up with, well, he didn't come up with the term flying saucers, but based on his account, the newspaper said flying saucers. Another interesting piece of information she gave about that was that he estimated the craft he saw were flying at 1,656 miles per hour, which at the time was three times faster than any other planes made by humans could go. Oh, which is interesting because another case we'll look at supposedly had UFOs flying really slow. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point on that one. She talked about uh, Roswell also and Project Blue Book. That came up a lot in the presentations. That was a government project to look into the possibilities of UFOs. And also Project Sign and Grudge. Project Sign was supposed to evaluate all sightings, analyze them. It covered 243 cases, and that one ended up favoring the ET hypothesis. But she says Project Grudge was a follow-up, and they realized, like, oh, no, yeah. Project Sign basically said ETs exist. Let's do the second project and try to explain all those away. Right. And now, we'll, I haven't checked on this. I don't know, you know whether to say this is valid or checks not, out. that's what she says. As far as I know, Project Blue Book was a legitimate project by the government to look into all of these reports. Mm-hmm. And so they seem to talk about kind of two major periods. There was, like, the early days of Project Blue Book, And they liked those because there were a lot of people in the group that very much were saying this is a real phenomenon. So they were quoting that and putting up slides. Uh, But then later on, like these other interlopers kind of involved themselves in Project Blue Book and spoke out against the previous consensus. So one name they mentioned was Menzel. Menzel. So he came up a lot, Dr. Donald Menzel. And so he was a, a real bad character in their mind. And they said something about how he had been... Kind of wedged himself in. And so they theorized that Dr. Donald Menzel had been maybe bought or intimidated at some point. By they, the government. Right. And maybe that's why he was speaking out against UFOs, because they wanted to deny everything. Right. But anyway, there was this later phase in Project Blue Book where they then came out very much saying like, oh, these are all weather phenomena or misunderstandings. And what they really got upset about was Dr. Donald Quarles, and he changed an important percentage. Yes, so they say. Apparently, according to Blue Book originally, about 22% of all reported cases were unexplained but had a good amount of data. So those were probable UFO cases. And according to the previous talk that we'd had, that seemed to be about concomitant with what they experienced in Washington. But 
he testified and said that it was only 3% to 5% instead of the 22. So, And that's the statistic that keeps getting repeated, right. is that we only have 3% that we can't account for, and that's just probably human error. And we kept hearing this throughout the weekend that, no, no, it's like 20%. That's so much more than human error, obviously. Right. Fair and point. Yeah, if, the, if, if, true. if true, that's totally fair. So again... I think this woman's got a decent PowerPoint. It was a very well-constructed PowerPoint. Many, many slides. At one point, I just had to stop taking notes. I couldn't keep up and take photos of the slides. Mm -hmm. And so I was just taking photos of slides. And it was sweet. The people next to us thought I'd run oh, out of yeah. paper. And so they gave me a, a yellow lined pad afterwards. Like, here you go for taking my notes. <laughs> That's really sweet. Oh, thank you. Thank you. She said something interesting. She said, sometimes radar is written off as temperature inversions. She was saying that to sort of discount criticisms but I hadn't actually known that that was one of the criticisms. So she, I was like, oh, is that what they say? Interesting. <laughs> well, that's hmm. a thing for me to I look up. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so to describe her, she's a real petite blonde woman. She has glasses. Short she, hair. Yeah, you'd see yeah, her. Yeah, kind of a pixie cut. You'd see her in church, definitely. Wearing kind 50s of 50s or 60s, I think. Yeah, wearing a pantsuit. Yep. And black. Black pants and a blazer, simple silver jewelry. She had a real shimmery blouse. Looked good. She had a cordless mic. She was the first speaker with a cordless mic, but from there Ooh. out, they all had cordless mics. Yeah, there was so much material in her talk, and we'd really be truncating it to share much of it. But she was going into all of those major cases. She spent a lot of time talking about Betty and Barney Hill and uh, showing some of their drawings. She would go from what was sort of documentable, okay, I can, I can take this journey with you you hmm. to the sort of like really out there claims she'd be talking about like radar stuff that's like documentable mm -hmm. to like oh and then there was this woman helen knowles and she did automatic writing and that's how we get some of our stuff of like whoa automatic writing which is like channeling right. spirits to get your information like right. that's in my mind very different but she treated those all as if they were the same yeah the same like level of validity right yeah that's true and she'd be jumping back to this correspondence between class and various other people and the various government reports so it was kind of all over the place chronologically as well we were mm -hmm. jumping through time but yeah all of it was very assured just this is true we mm -hmm. we figured this out. It was figured out a long time ago. It's a settled matter, and uh, very dismissive of any any raised concerns. Those were all laughable. She'd kind of dismiss them with a chuckle. But we got a nice little list of what the aliens want us to know. What do they want us to know? This is according to AFA, who is a space patrol leader alien contacted by one of the contactees. <clears throat> Wait, what? AFA. AFFA, he's a space patrol leader alien. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Here's what you need to know stop polluting the earth, be more spiritual, mm -hmm. raise your vibrations, which of course means shake a lot. Check. Magnetic fields have. Ross is shaking his butt. I'm shaking everything. Magnetic fields have moved because of nuclear explosions. Wait, what? Yep. All vibration is sound, sound affects us. So make peace your sound. The end. Yeah. Oh, and then I wrote, the woman next to me has gone to sleep. <laughs> uh -huh. She didn't want that message. That was presented as soberly as everything else that we had heard. Just, yep, message Yeah, that's from what I aliens. mean. Just like going from radar findings to, oh, Alpha the alien wants you to know this, that your <laughs> vibrations should be raised. Okay, thank you very much. We also learned that we are closer to the disclosure. Disclosure will happen right. soon because it's been announced for the past 30 years. Right. And why all this uh, cover up? Well, the military industrial 
complex profits from war. Which you had to explain to me. At first, I didn't understand what the connection was there, but it's because the aliens have a message of peace. So if they tell us about the aliens, we'll all stop fighting and then they won't get to benefit from war. Right, exactly. That will cut off their meal pass. And then there's concerns over the impact on religious groups. Oh no, what will the religious groups do? if We won't have a podcast. They know they're aliens, so got to keep that secret. And then it would just cause disruption in our society. There's the abduction problem you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And no one nation speaks for the world. So I actually liked that last one. If that were the case, or if that were a reason, why wouldn't you have just one rogue country that decides like, oh, we're going to disclose all of our UFO files? Yeah, we'll be the one to call them in. France did that a few years back, I think, like kind of released all of their documents. And Oh, did they? So yeah, I, it just seems like kind of a weak argument to me. Like, you know, there would then be one country at least that would be like, eh, I'm not going to agree with this. Right. I'm going to disclose. Yeah, that's fair. We have this disparity where the aliens seem to want everybody to know these messages. Uh-huh. Like, oh, it's really important that you know to raise your... Your vibrations vibrations. shake a lot. And yet they don't want to use a public platform that they could easily take at any moment by just showing up where we all see them and have to acknowledge Right. It's all like, oh, we furtively darted here or there. Take this one poor person, ruin their life. And let them share the story with everybody else. Right. So this was kind of this contradiction playing out in my mind the whole time as they're telling me this thing. Like, wait, wait. So they want everyone to know about this and they want disclosure, but they're not just disclosing it themselves. We couldn't stop. Them. And then later we'll get a totally contradictory lesson that's a little more parsimonious. Yeah. Our last speaker. From a surprising source. <laughs> so then we have a break and we go down to the vendors. Yeah. Oh, man. These were awesome. <laughs> so there's a whole room of vendors down below. Oh, boy. And what a gallimaufry. What a... Oh, I've never heard that word. Potpourri. What a smorgasbord of uh, wares for sale. There were tables for speakers, but then there were also tables for vendors. And it didn't matter whether you were into UFOs or you were into angels Mm -hmm. or you were a chiropractor. As long as your thing was not totally accepted by society, (laughs) you were accepted here. You're in like Flynn. Uh, Yeah, so we had pyramids with orgone energy. Definitely as big orgone energy. Oh, some, going some on. things from Sedona, my old stomping grounds. Yeah. Oh, and they had the, at that Orgone Energy booth, they had a chemtrail clearer. <laughs> Disperser. Yeah. What was oh it? Oh my gosh. A sky and earth harmonizer for 700 bucks. Okay. It, so it is a coffee grinds can. Yes. A, that has been spray painted copper. Connected to a bunch of pipes that then go into this base. Yeah. Sticking out of a base. It's made of resin. Resin that looks like a cake, like a birthday yeah, cake. Yeah, like a birthday cake. And there's a crystal plopped in the middle of that resin. And there you go. That, and that is that sucker $700. At the sky and it probably comes up to like my sternum. Pretty and, tall, big thing. Yeah. And this this can't be more than $20 worth of materials. No. And it's $700. And here's what it does, you guys. You put it in your garden and then the chemtrails as they pass over your garden will just disappear. Sky and Earth Harmonizers, the Chemtrail Neutralizer, Quantum Energy Resonance Devices, trademark, for the environment, home, and garden. <laughs> right next to that was a booth with Travis Walton. The One of the speakers. Yeah. You were most, yeah, maybe the most excited about? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Stanton Friedman. He is the abductee behind the story of Fire, Fire in the, the Sky. sky. 
That's right. So if you've seen that abduction film, he was the true life logger who was taken by the aliens. I hadn't seen that movie until the week before, but we'll get there. It was fresh in your mind. Yeah. So yeah, he was just kind of sitting there and no one was coming by to talk to him at this point. Mm -hmm. He hadn't given his talk. And so we were able to head over and Carrie took a picture of me with him. Yeah. It was awesome. A good pick, I must say. Next to Travis Walton, there was a psychic medium with my mom's name. Her name was Arlene. And it was sad. She was just sitting there kind of looking around kind of nervously, and kind of signaling to me like, yeah, no one really wants to talk to me. Oh. And so I looked at her like, sorry, I've got really, I don't know what to say to you. Right. <laughs> and I moved on as well. A lot of people were just selling alien plushes and little bendy aliens. I picked up some little takeaways from my coworkers there. We talked to the monk who made her chemtrail defeating technology. Yes. It was really interesting. First, I tried to kind of ask her what religion she was. And she said, oh, all religions are one kind of thing. It wouldn't right. really expand on, okay, but how are you pulling this off, though? Right. <laughs> There's a guy who has a piece of a UFO. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And he sells like katana blades for the apocalypse so yep. you can defend yourself. Which is going to happen. He was a wild character and we fell into his gravity well. And then he's like, oh, you got to talk to me now. Yep. You came and looked. I'm like, yep. oh, no. And oh, man, his piece of UFO... <laughs> I took so many pictures of it, and there are all these signs that are like, you can't explain what this is. I've sent it to so many labs. It's made of some kind of metal yeah, alloy said it was no like one an, could understand. He said it was like an aluminum alloy, and we're like, well, you know what it is then. Yeah, what do you mean it's nothing anyone understands? Yeah, it's aluminum. I sent it to the best lab in Georgia. Do you want to see what they said to me? And we're like, okay. Yeah. He pulls out this <laughs> laminated letter oh, right. in, in what, like 32-point font? Yes. Hands it to us. So this guy's name is Bob White. It says, to describe the Bob White object in the simplest possibly way, <laughs> I think you can say it is an agglomeration of rapidly cooled droplets or particles of an aluminum silicon alloy with such an unusual structure, I can only speculate on how it was formed. Mr. Rudolph Olson, March 2015. Whoa. And he's like, yeah, pretty amazing, right? So I think he's impressed by this part that says I can only speculate on how it was formed, which he just means like, I don't know how it got into like that shape. That's mm -hmm. all that means. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of a funny little like droplet shape. Like a stalactite or something. It's got all mm -hmm. these little bumps and grooves. And it looks like it was created in some process where some hot metal went splat real quick. Mm -hmm. And apparently that metal was aluminum and silicon. Okay. We've identified it. There we go. Guess which, what those are. Which is earthly. always... Always an interesting premise, like if you find something from an alien craft, it's going to be something we've never seen before. Why can't they use aluminum? Right. Still could be alien, but... Maybe that's legit. But yeah, you don't know just from looking at it. Right. What would you do? Add additional protons in a nucleus? Then you just have a different element. Yeah. And if it's one we haven't discovered, then it's a really heavy one that doesn't last for... I, anyway, I just don't know what the claim is. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know either. There was a... But what I do know is that 
email doesn't tell me anything exciting. No. And and also with the really bad grammar mistake there, either he just retyped the email he received or this is really not a reputable organization. I really think that person A typed that out to person B, mm-hmm. like just as a send off to like their colleague, not really checking it for spelling. Because oh, they okay. were like, oh, as for the thing for Bob White, you could say this in the simplest terms. And then person B wasn't really thinking and copied and pasted it. Plausible story. There was an African-American woman who had a booth toward the back. And I went and snapped a picture of it. And she's like, what did you just do? And I said, well, I took a picture of your, your, your list of specialties. I thought it was interesting. And I felt all guilty. I said, like, is that okay? She's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I guess. And the sign itself said, this is golden light rainbow. She is Yvonne. Anyways, it was just impressive because on the sign, it says like in multicolored fonts that she does spiritual readings, healings. She's a psychic medium, channel, healing, intuitive, medical, emotional, multiple card reader, psychometry, energy, body work, astrologer, numerologist, quantum healing, hypnosis, light language, healing grids, metaphysician, minister, spiritual life coach, master shaman, hypnotist, herbalist, workshops, and more things obscured by her head. So (laughs) it's quite the list of specialties. Yeah. But then her friend sitting next to her mentioned that she wished she had a trash can. I thought, I'm going to make this up to them. And so I went and I got a trash can for them. And I taped you giving (laughs) them a trash can. (laughs) That's awesome. Because you walked all the way across the floor. There were two trash cans over on the other side of the room. Yeah. I thought, well, they should have one. They need a trash can. Right. And so you went and got it. And I They were very thankful and we were friends. We are friends now. It reminded me of the time that I dared you to get me that big painting. You were already going to buy me this big painting. And I was like, I dare you to just take it <laughs> off that wall while and just like talking. quietly walk across <laughs> the stage with it. And you did. And so. No one stopped I, me from yeah. moving the trash can. So I thought this time I'll tape it. But this time no one really looked at you. There was but al- I have a video now of you carrying the trash can. <laughs> there was also a guy who had a sign saying, your angels want to talk to you. Yes, the angel reader. Get rid of your chaos. Angel activations. Oh, for only 15 bucks, we could have activated our angels, I know, I thought about that. There's so much going on in Eureka Springs in general that we could have done that we couldn't do. There's like big ghost hunting in that town. The Tony Alamo Ministries original location (sighs) is there. We so wanted to go there, but it Uh, was like another two-hour drive away. I wanted to go to this big cat sanctuary and didn't have time. There was a gigantic Jesus statue. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll get to that later. I oh, wanted to man. go visit that on so much. Easter Sunday. Anyway. Yep, lots of interesting different stuff in that vendor fair. So next, we went to a talk that I was very much looking forward to, and I think you were too. Oh, yeah. We can't wait to tell you about this, but this is a big conference. And so we, we're going to share with you the second half of our Ozark Mountain UFO conference in the next episode, which we're going to release this month as well. Yes. But I know what you're thinking. What I'm thinking or what they're thinking? They're thinking. What are they thinking? They're thinking, I have a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, lover, Mm -hmm. niece, nephew, teacher, student. Former roommate. Tutor, former roommate, firefighter, Mm -hmm. who would love to hear their name on Ona, Ross, and Carrie, but I don't know how to make that happen, and his or her birthday is approaching shortly. If only there were a way to send out a message to all the listeners of Ono, Ross, and Carrie, read by Ross and Carrie. Exactly. But now 
Oh, no, Ross and Carrie has Jumbotron messages. Did you know that, Ross? Oh, there's a way to do that? Yes. You can buy a short message that will read on an episode of our podcast. So if you want Ross to wish your best friend a happy birthday or you want me to wish your spouse a happy anniversary, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Ah. Yeah. And you buy a personal Jumbotron message and you can do it right now on your computer. Maybe you have a cookbook full of recipes for hot drinks that you want me to talk to OnRack listeners about. Then you can buy a commercial message at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and then we'll spread the word in an upcoming episode. How could you not? That sounds amazing. I know, right? So there are different prices for commercial messages versus personal messages. Just check them out. Get on the website. They're affordable. They're beautiful. Just like you. You're affordable and beautiful. All of you. See you on the Jumbotron. Yeah. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer, who just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Ian. Happy birthday, Ian. And you can give us a positive rating at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to our show. That really helps other people find us. So support us that way. Or you can give us a negative rating up your butt. You can also support us at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And you can see all our pictures and our videos and... So much stuff. And our musings and our interviews on other shows. We share all kinds of things at... Facebook.com forward slash OnRack. And you can also talk to other fans there. Yeah, it's a great community. Come join us. Yeah. And remember... They will provide competent teachers to educate us all. There is a displaced magnetic field problem on the Earth caused by nuclear explosions. All vibration is sound. Sound waves permeate the universe and affect the human body. Become peaceful, and your sound will create peace. And I think that's a very important message. It's one that I think we should all heed, because they are here to help us. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.